Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to this week's episode of the Trek Culture Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Ferry. I'm Paul Sutherland. And joining us this week, we are very, very lucky to say that we have the wonderful, the bubbly, the frankly scary, talented Marcus Bronzy. Marcus, man, how are you getting on? I'm feeling great after an introduction like that from you boys. <laughs> anyway, I'm on the Trek Culture Podcast. How's it going? <laughs> well, I'm pretty excited. This is like, yes, it's finally come together, the trifecta. I'm delighted with this. Yes, here to cause chaos. By the end of this episode, you will be atting me with rage after the things I have to say. And I don't even know what I'm about to say yet. Oh, yeah. Sean <laughs> can give you some pointers on how to handle that. Uh, that is that is true. That is terrifying. But that's great. That's cool. That's why we call it <coughs> Fix It in Post. Yeah, so, Fix It in yeah. Post. <laughs> um, all right. So question to the room. Discovery. Did you watch it this week? Hell yeah. Yeah, it's market, so. Hell yeah. I watched Discovery this week. I watched the heck out of it. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, though. I haven't managed to get my full second watch through. I usually like, before we do this, I do like to do a second watch through. So I am one and a half times into the episode, the f- first part of the two episodes that we're going to be watching over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious where you left off and why. Oh, no, it wasn't It wasn't a why. It was just because I didn't have enough time. I believe, oh God, I don't even know where I left off. I don't know because I've watched it twice. I'll be honest with you. But uh, I will let you take lead and I am ready to roll. I've watched enough to have a reasonable input, but I will let you guys take it forward and I'll jump in and pop in here and there. As I'm right, so we're talking about Terraformer part one. Yes. Um, did you have any better insight about who Carl is? You're asking me? Yeah, on the second watch. I mean, uh, I assume you got to the Carl part. Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, look. Burnham demanding the Carl help, right? I, I I, mean, look, there's. if you look at it from face value, the first thing that screams out to me is Q, right? That's the first, that's the first thing that screams out to me. When I see the level of omnipotence immediately from somebody who's sitting, looking like they are not cold at all, at all in a clearly very cold environment, right? 
immediately I feel that this is somebody that is not really there, or if they are there, they are have a strength that is beyond mine and I've not uh, beyond anything that's fathomable and I've not seen anyone like that since we have seen our dear Q or anyone from the Q continuum that's where I stand at the moment do you guys have any knowledge or anything that can lead us in that direction to give us more of a hint of that or is it someone else that we're dealing with because there are different types of omnipotence I mean you're right that it looked a lot like how they uh, portrayed uh, the Q Continuum in Voyager's Death Wish when Janeway and Tuvok uh, go to the Q Continuum. looked a lot like that, but the clues seem to indicate that Carl might be the guardian of forever, which, so um, you mentioned it in Ups and Downs, but Sean, you got the name of Carl's newspaper wrong. Oh no, I'm so, I was, and I wouldn't mind, it was there in my head. It's the Star Dispatch. It's the Star Dispatch. I think I called it the Telegraph. Right. And, and where is the Star Dispatch from? Well, the Star Dispatch is from, uh, it's, it's a little known episode. Um, you, you probably wouldn't have heard of it. Um, uh, City on the Edge of Forever. So kind of kind of well known, you know, Spock and Kirk go back. Edith Keeter must die. Kind of feel bad for poor old John Collins. But yeah, 100%. So, and of course, in that episode, all the way back 1966-67, uh, written by Harlan Ellison, I must throw out there because he's an amazing writer, um, the Kirk and Spock and McCoy travel through this time portal, the Guardian of Forever, which basically has whatever control over time. Yeah, like, but... From what we've seen, the Guardian of Forever is a big circle. So this would be the first time that we would have seen, obviously, the Guardian being a person. But it seems like too much of a Easter egg for it not to have a connection. Yeah, though, you know, you mentioned Harlan Ellison. He's famously litigious, so maybe he's not the Guardian of Forever. He's like the Guardian of, you know all time or something <laughs> generic you know i like it i like it um i i don't know see i initially i would have been the same as yourself marcus my first inclination was oh are we getting the cue but then i don't know in that that newspaper there just kept being more and more little easter eggs someone's done some great breakdowns of what's in that paul i think you were sharing with us the other day a breakdown of the easter egg what 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 turned up in the paper again uh, there's a mention of the Janolin from Relics being lost. Uh, there is a mention of Edith Keeler's soup kitchen. Uh, there are some Bajoran and Vulcan text on the, uh, the newspaper. And uh, there's also a mention of the uh, Takan supernova from uh, the last outpost. So what are we Something getting from a, that, guys? So what, so what are we drawing from that then? What are, you, what are you concluding from those pieces being on the paper? Because they're, they're clearly clues that are left out for us to pick up. That uh, Edith Keeler gets called out, and it's called the Star Dispatch. That's that's two Easter eggs in there for City on the Edge. I wonder that would that would support the Guardian theory. I think. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay, then. So that's where we're leaning towards. All right, interesting, guys. All right, all right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been swayed. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. We could solve all wars with just these kind of conversations. <laughs> I love it. That's right. So there's two Easter eggs, which means this wins. Done. Grant. <laughs> Obviously, though, that's not like the major Easter egg from the episode. We talked a little bit about it last week, but you're the temporal agent or time soldier. 
Absolutely. How much, I mean, like, again, I know we've seen it before, but Marcus, did you have a little moment of, ah, when not only did we get a TNG uniform, but like that whole scene, how, 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 how was that for you? I mean, now that I'm, I'm in the knowledge uh, of the adjustment of the badge, obviously, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it took a little bit of the edge off it. But the fact that we managed to see that kind of tie-in was, I, I, do you know what? People don't give enough credit for when you manage to tie in different universes. Because when you split things and jump into different timelines and, you know, we are blessed. We're in the presence of someone from the Kelvin timeline right now, Sean. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tie these back together. And I am... I mean, I was impressed. This is a slight digression at the way Lower Decks managed to tie in other parts of the Trek universe to make sure that we know that, you know, this is solidly part of law. Um, now that they've managed to tie this in, um, I, was, I was like, okay, cool. So now you've actually given us some real value in terms of the direction that the Temporal War is going in or, or has gone in. And you've actually managed to tie up stuff that they, you know, Enterprise left a few holes yeah that i think now we're actually have the potential to fill in with disco if they decide to allocate enough time with it and time is something that i'm going to mention a few times in this podcast because time is running out with regards to the season um so what they decide to fill in in terms of holes uh in plots and and and, and points to fill out we're going to find out in a moment but i was excited i was impressed um we saw the badge switch. Um, I've seen it before and after, but I think it was a nice tie-in and it, it did make me think, okay, all right, that's where we're going with this now. Yeah, honestly, it's a little confusing. Um, you know, it's hard to tell whether your is disguised in a TNG era uniform or somehow in the Kelvin timeline, they adopted that uniform late. Um, but speaking of tying in other universes, um, I was really impressed by the surprise twist in Terraformer Part 1 that the bulk of the episode was taking place in the mirror universe, in the uh, past. Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, I had had no indication, no spoilers that it was coming. So it was a proper surprise when she goes through the door. Um, and I think it makes sense for Giorgio because if you think of how her story has gone, it... I don't know if it'll end in the mirror universe, but obviously it very much starts in the mirror universe. And we can see already that she's such a changed character. It's nearly a mirror of her mirror universe as well. I got some feelings about the mirror universe and <laughs> the way the show has been using Giorgio. Um, I have never been a huge fan of the mirror universe. Um, yeah, some of the individual episodes have been fun. Um, I did not love the second half of Discovery's first season, which was, you know, set almost entirely in the Mirror Universe, taking a already dark series and taking it to a, like a literally dark place. Um, that for me wasn't the best way to get to know those characters. I tend to find the Mirror Universe to be mostly camp and not that revealing of the characters, despite everyone saying, oh, you know, what does it say about yourself if like your mirror version, your mirror counterpart is so evil and so ruthless? Um, what do you guys think about the mirror universe? Am I crazy for hating the fun of seeing people stab each other? I think, the, I mean, I think the point of the mirror universe is to remind us why the Federation exists in its, in its form or why it did, because obviously in Discovery, we're in, an era, in a time when the Federation isn't what it was. Um, so that's the point. It's us. It's to remember how good things could be and, and what if things went differently. I mean, and one thing that stands out to me about 
the mirror universe is the inconsistencies and that's kind of taken the edge of it one of them being light like are we just going to pretend that that's not a problem anymore we're just because there's lens flares all over the place i mean we ain't jj abrams level of lens flare in discovery but there's lens flares everywhere there's light and we just we've just forgotten about this whole fact that terrans are meant to be not very fond of bright light and then you know i think like paul alluded to you know slapping a bit of eyeliner on stamets <laughs> does that really make him evil or is it distracting you know what i mean like are we do, do we just you know is is it something that that we need and i think it's it, it's very close if they're not careful to becoming a parody of itself which i think it has been at times you know let's be honest some of the evilness has been quite hammed up when we've seen the mirror universe but disco's got to be very careful with his tone now because they've checked their version of trek is we're slightly more serious we're slightly more in our emotions so therefore if we're in a mirror universe we need emotions to be flipped oh well now there was somebody in the mirror universe who i thought was very intimidating yeah kicking ass quite literally in this episode and then also you got tilly you know who who i think she would she was played very well i think the fact that she's so jovial fun you know stumbling over her shoes in the prime universe or their prime as Giorgio kind of explained very clearly um but then when you flip over and see the mirror universe version of her you see killy you actually see somebody who is delightfully enjoying being evil and i find that very scary as well so i think there's elements that really really work in terms of character but i think that there's a f- holes that you know there's things that they just said that we've forgotten about in season one like the light thing and then there's just like this 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 potential where it could go wrong i, f- I feel your worry paul i feel you i mean it's i'm not at this thing yet i'm not at that level but i think like play it carefully now like do we, how how are we going to explain this universe? How is this universe going to connect back to Prime? You know, or is it just going to be something that pops out once in a while to keep us on our toes and make sure that we enjoy Starfleet for being Starfleet? That's my take on the matter right now. I don't think I'm as angry about it as you, Paul, but I, I see where you're going. Well, not angry. Uh, that's Mirror Paul. Mirror Paul's angry <laughs> okay, about cool. Prime <laughs> Cool. Um, oh, sorry, I should notice you haven't got eyeliner on. So sorry. <laughs> Uh, but you're right, though, that it, the mirror universe is often slipped into parody. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of the way it's depicted in Star Trek Enterprise, which is very campy. And yeah. a lot of the Deep Space Nine episodes, they were played for fun. The fun of seeing how murderous our beloved characters can be. And you're also right that there's a couple of like changed premises as far as the uh, mirror universe is concerned, even in the way that Discovery has established it with the fact that they genetically can't see bright light. Um, but um, I, I thought like another, um, there's another aspect that I completely was, I was convinced that Discovery was leaving in like the rearview mirror, which is the fact that Giorgio is a murderous dictator. I thought that season two was, you know, um, geared in part towards rehabilitating the character making her seem like less outright evil and more like, oh, she's got jokes, she's snarky, she's just, you know, ill-tempered. Um, and um, to my surprise, and I did really like Terra Farmer despite not liking the Mirror Universe, I appreciated that it's clear that they're trying to rehabilitate the character more than just hand-waving away, maybe, you know, whatever genocides she's, she's committed in the past. Kelpians she's eaten in the past, like sushi. Sorry. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> Doug Jones is a tasty snack. I'm just yeah. just throwing that out there. Um, I mean, the things he can do with his legs, but this is a not an adult podcast. But um, so, <laughs> but um, you know, no, I, I totally am with you. And I mean, like the fact that there were some really interesting points there, and I said it very jovially. The way that we saw her eat kelpian, and the way that Michael was tricked into picking the kelpian to eat in previous seasons, and now we had that really that that could have been such a big moment where we see Mirror Universe Saru. That, that moment where she first recognises him, I feel like they could have bitten down on that more. And because of the problems that you've highlighted here, this is, you know, what what is she, Paul? You know, is she dictator that is going to be a dictator for life? Or is she or is she somebody who's actually had some, you know, like rehabilitation? And I feel like we need a bit more guidance and she needs to be clearer where she is because there were, there, there were some big moments there. I mean, that, the, that relationship with Saru could have been a bit, you know, there could have been a bit more to it. Do you know what I mean? The conversation that they had, uh, I don't know, like, mm, I don't know, so, something was missing there for me. I, I can't quite, I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe I'll get it in a minute. Yeah, well, it's hard to say what's missing because we have a whole other half of the episode to watch, right? Yeah, like, that's true. You know, it's, 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 the other, it's the other half. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll address that. Maybe they'll address that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I was really racking my brain trying to think about uh, concrete evidence of Giorgio's murderousness. And yeah, she eats Kelpians and she specifically had Mirror Saru slaughtered before. Now going backwards in time and presumably saving Saru from yeah. the ship. Um, but uh, other than destroying the rebel base on Harlak um, in uh, the Wolf Inside, I believe, um, in the first season, there aren't real like concrete uh, examples of Giorgio, you know, killing people en masse in the way that we all kind of assume that she would have had to have done as of the emperor of this, you know, mm. of this regime. And one of the uh, plot points from season one was that Lorca didn't think that Giorgio's regime was like fascist enough. And now in Terra Firma, we see that uh, Michael, Mirror Michael, says that Giorgio is too soft, like that Giorgio is already soft even before she's supplanted by the Giorgio that we know and kind of love from the future. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on not just an attempt to rehabilitate the character as we know, but to kind of rewrite her history and say, she's a lot better, she's a lot nicer than, you know, we might've imagined she was. So then actually on that point, do you reckon that there, I suppose I want to phrase this nicely. Do you reckon that there's a deliberate attempt to maybe take a few shortcuts toward making her a good character? Or do you feel that there's enough in the show that hand-waving's not going to cut it? I think it's, I think it's a combination of hand-waving, retcons, and actual legitimate character growth before we get to presumably Section 31. I... I, th I think things tend to be going that way. Um, there's something that we will address when we get to the news segment, but about potentially Section 31 and future seasons of Discovery. So I think you might be hitting on, on a point there. And Marcus, as you said as well, this is very much part one of two. So it feels like even though the bulk of the episode is spent in the Mirror Universe, we haven't really seen enough yet. I suppose my question going into Terra Firma Part 2 would be, is this in fact the mirror universe 
that we saw in season one, because already things have happened that will change the history of that universe and of what Discovery experienced in that universe. Did you guys, did you guys pick up on or have any thoughts about that? So you're speaking about further fractionation, like we're looking at a totally different universe here then. Is that, is that where you're going? Potentially. I suppose my first example being Stamets, because Stamets and Paul, I believe you said this off air that Stamets had made, he helped Discovery in some way, but now he's not there to help Discovery. So what does that mean for timelines? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And this is, this is what I think we, and just to, to, to repeat what Paul said, this is where we need the second half of the episode to find out how they're going to play that. Because with time travel, literally, you have to decide which way you're going to go. But because of the tweaks that they've made to the way that we've addressed the uh, characters in the mirror universe, I don't know whether they're going to say true to form or whether it's going to be, this is a totally different universe or whether what we do will have actual implications on in the prime. I don't, I don't know because, because we're not just talking dimensional travel. We're talking time travel, oh, man. It's um, we're not, we're not quite at, uh, you know, uh, uh, head spinning too much, but I think we're at danger of, of kind of getting thrown into a spiral of, of cyclical craziness with time travel uh, and dimensional moves if they do split into another universe. I really hope we don't. Um, I think we've got enough. I think we've got enough on our plate. Um, I, I'm the second time I mentioned it. I think we're far enough into the season where we don't need another hook like that. I think we need some resolutions to happen. And I think these need to happen in the second half of this episode. Yeah, Discovery doesn't seem... Uh, you know, it, it, it kind of gets uh, skin deep with its sci-fi concept. So yeah. I'm not imagining that they're going to like yeah. play with like causality loops or temporal paradoxes. Yeah. Hopefully. Michael is her mom. No. <laughs> <laughs> Michael is her own mother. <laughs> it's happened before, guys. We've yeah. seen it on other shows. 100%. Yeah, cool. Um, I think, well, as we, obviously we have another part of the episode to, like, as in another part two to come i think we'll have to pick up a lot of these threads that we've put down 
in next week's episode. So fingers crossed that it doesn't go into some mad view universe. But uh, <laughs> what we might do now is cover some of the news that has come out over the last few days. For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. Okay, so lots of news to get through, but one of the lovely pieces of news is a gift. A gift that has come from the wonderful, wonderful Marcus and his wonderful, wonderful podcast, How to Kill an Hour. Yeah, that's right, man. It's a podcast that is definitely less Trek than this but um we actually managed to have a conversation with the wonderful david ajala aka book from discovery and we spoke about loads of stuff but we obviously spoke about trek as well and with the news of david cronenberg saying he's going to renew for season four i thought it's only right i put some pressure on him and see if we can make some diamonds he's been asking for a bit more from the show his character in the show he's been asking to be around a bit more and i can see book becoming a character who could be part of the crew. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it straight. Are, are, are we going to get an announcement for you for season four yet? Are we allowed to say that yet or not? Can we get any anything from you, David? We'll have to see. Oh, okay. All right. I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Who knows? Okay. We'll be in it. We have to see, man. I'm, I'm looking at David's face if you're just listening to the podcast. He doesn't look sad right now. He looks happy. That's all I'm saying. He's smiling. <laughs> he's not winked at all. He has winked, but it was just a blink because he's winking with both eyes at the same time. So I haven't read anything at all. Try to dazzle him with words to try and get something out of him. But there's three things you can say when you're asked. No, I can't say anything. Or yes, he didn't say no. He didn't say no. All I will, right. I, I will take that. I will take that. There we go. So yeah, it'd be nice to see a bit more of Book, man. I think yeah, he's, he's, his race has been quite interesting to look at throughout uh, Discovery. Would would be nice to see some more of him. Another character, we've had a bit of time with him. Would love a bit more time to get a bit further into him. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't used Book well, much. Uh, they haven't used Book uh, enough to kill him off yet. So I'm I'm expecting him to come back for season four. I was surprised that Cronenberg was so free in admitting that he's going to be back for season four which he i think he said to uh variety correct yeah 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 so yeah i mean look if he the heat if he talks i think it's on authority do you know what i mean i think mm. he, he definitely got the sign off to to drop that i don't know maybe it's the director in him that meant that he could do that to the guys um but yeah i actually wondered about that as well i was like cronenberg comes with clout yeah so, yeah. Like, yeah yeah oh yes yeah, so i'm doing this David, that's not actually what we just. Okay, yeah, that's 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 fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. cool. That's fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, and I look forward to seeing more from him as well. I mean, obviously, I know you guys have been um, spitting lyrical, waxing lyrical, even about you know his potential direction and who he may or may not be as Discovery continues in season four. <laughs> I I saw a theory. Now I think it's it pops. Let's try that again in English. I saw a theory that is possibly just a theory, but it actually ties back into something, Marcus, that you suggested in the first part of this episode, which was Star Trek Enterprise left a lot of threads dangling, yeah. right? Um, and Manny Koto obviously just wasn't a fan of the temporal uh, Cold War, and that's why it got wrapped up so quickly. We never found out 
who the shadowy guy from the future was. Now, I assume that back in 2004, 2005, they didn't have David Cronenberg on retainer. But <laughs> what's to say with a little bit of healthy retconning? It's feasible. It's, it's feasible. It's feasible. Um, it's feasible to tie it in. He's obviously a character who has knowledge that is way vaster than he has shared uh, with Giorgio, who I think he's kind of given the most to. And with us, the audience, I mean, we've not seen any sneaky goings on where we can uh, uh, add two and two together and make, you know, Raptor Gino. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing. He's not even given us anything that we can work with. So he's shrouded in mystery. And he's a character that I'm happy that we've not seen much of. I like the mystery there. I want to know more. I really want to know, like, like you know, what, what, what are you doing? You seem a little bit too calm whilst all of this nonsense is going on. You know, there's everybody's supposed to be feeling the stress. You are somebody who has this unnerving easiness about themselves. So yeah, I think there's a possibility where they could tie that in. Um, yeah, because we, we only saw, what did we see? We just saw a silhouette and a shadow, didn't we, really? That was all we saw in Enterprise. So yeah, it could be him, could sign it. And it was just like a modulated voice. So yeah, it could be him, very much could be him. Suleiman's are going to be coming to Discovery. No, I'm not going to put that. I'm not going to put that. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> so I don't need everything to tie tie together like that, yeah. tie that cleanly. I'd rather Kovich be his own dude. Um, right. I would love, though, if maybe he, they found a way to get him into the Section 31 show. However, um, I want to know what your guys' take on this is. My prediction for the end of Terraformer Part 2 is that Giorgio is going to stick around in the 23rd century, whether it's the mirror universe or not. And that's how she's going to get to her own spinoff and to potentially reconnect with uh, Shazab Latif, who is Ash Tyler, who is, I guess, head of Section 31, where we left him. And they're going to go do their own show. What do you guys think about that? Woo, that's spicy. Go on, Sean. What What are you thinking about that? I, 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 mean, Paul, I love that, by the way. Woo! That's like I, I love that because that that would track, you know, she is if this is the mirror universe, she's in the 23rd century. So I say all she needs to do, but all she needs to do is hop universe, uh, which in Star Trek is not really that much of an ask, you know, um, so getting back over would be fine. And she could also bring news to Ash Tyler, who obviously doesn't publish, you know, Section 31 doesn't go to whatever the contemporary star dispatch newspapers says here's what our news updates are so section 31 could be well under um or have news of discovery in the future and they know that they made it and they know that everything's fine which is why potentially kovic is so cool when it came to Giorgio arriving with him because he was just waiting for her the whole time Cool. Well, now you're getting into twisting uh you know parallel universes and time travel and continuity <laughs> <laughs> this is this is it. My head's starting to explode. I mean, I'm going to be slightly less uh, fantastic than you guys about it. I think it's very clear that she's aware that if she goes back to what we know as the prime, she's destined to die if she stays in that timeline. Um, and because we've seen that she's starting to break apart. I mean, the poor lady couldn't even pick up a glass of wine. Damn it. Um, so I think we, what we, yeah, I know. I mean, that would make me very angry. I mean, yeah. to be fair, she, I just want to say, I don't think it was nice to throw a dinner over Tilly, but if I couldn't pick up a drink and somebody came over and was like, hi, I have my food. Anyway, so um, I think we might be looking at a slightly uh, more simple uh, explanation. I think 
we have the realization that she can't go back. So yes, she will stay in the mirror universe. I think we may, from what we've seen from the first episode, see more of her finding out how similar Michael is in this other universe to the prime universe and how close they really are. Um, so yes, on the outside, Michael is like, you're weak, so you must die. But I feel like there's some more to be had. I feel like there's a, a dilemma, a situation, something that's going to come in and complicate things. And we're going to really find out what their relationship's made out of. And whatever Giorgio decides to do in that pinch point moment is really going to affect her character, whether or not she goes off to do a Section 31 spin-off, which would be so badass. So much black uniforms and black badges, but I won't go there because <laughs> I could talk about that all day. I think they look so, you can't deny Section 31 looks so cool. That is the coolest part of Starfleet. Yeah, they're bad and off the books. Anyway, I digress, but I think it's going to be that. And I think maybe you, um, we know that Michael Burnham's safe in the Prime Universe. Is Michael Burnham going to be safe in the mirror universe and that is something that they can play with they we know that burnham can't die in the prime is i'm going to be right on the head of it could she die in the mirror universe because that would yeah. be something that would affect Giorgio for a very long time that could I also, sorry paul sorry no I, I interrupted you uh i just want to know i'm sorry to interject here with a totally off topic okay, cool. <laughs> uh i i just want to know um which version of Lorca is definitely showing up in uh terror prime part two do you know what? It would have been easy. Shine a torch in his eyes. Yeah. Would have been able to find it out straight away. All right. Let me find out whether we've got the consistent version studio or the non-consistent. No, sorry. That was a really unfair answer. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Sean. I know you wanted to talk there. I know that was unfair. But um, yeah, go on, Sean. Um, no, like I, I just, I'm joining in straight away. We are definitely, I really hope this comment doesn't age like milk, but we are definitely getting Lorca this week. Okay. Okay, and of course, if we don't, next week you'll hear me say we were never getting Lorca. That was never happening. Um, I think it'll be Lorca Prime just because we've already seen Mirror Lorca. Okay, you know what I mean. They've done that character already. Not to say that they won't do it again. Obviously, we have you know all of the Discovery crew, but um, I because there's a, such a dangling right? thing. Just to clarify, we never saw Lorca Prime die, did we? Never, ever. We just we've yeah. never seen Lorca Prime. What? I mean, my thinking was, and like, okay, so this this podcast is gonna drop like the day before the next episode airs, so it's like gonna have like a real like real great shelf life here. But uh, I um, my expectation, or like, if I was writing the episode instead of writing about the episodes, um, I would have Giorgio save Prime Lorca, who would have otherwise died in the mirror universe. Um, you know, Cornwell said like, there's no way he could have survived in the mirror universe. So that's that's Giorgio's task now is to rescue uh, Prime Lorca from her own universe. And the two of them can, uh, you know, cross over and Giorgio can go to uh, the Section 31 show and uh, Prime Lorca can go to uh, Strange New Worlds. I'm okay. here for it. I'm here Perfect. for it. It's a nice yeah. tidy tie up. Ooh, I like it. Needs no comment. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. Because what it's done is it's brought our news segment where all news should go which is to wild speculation. And so I think we'll, we'll, we'll cap news here because I think we've strayed slightly off the topic of what could be verified. And as I say, isn't that just news these days? Exactly. I mean, we are official press right now. 100%. We're official right now. Let's just make statements and put them out there. Um, Troy is the new emperor. Fact. Done. 
done. Neelix came back as an evil chef and time traveled and decided to uh, <laughs> be a better wedge than Booker is at the moment before they give him more lines. All right, that's unfair. Right, let's carry on. For over two centuries, the Federation News Network. So, Marcus, uh, you're joining us for the first time. Uh, I don't know if you watched our previous two podcasts, but we have a little game where we choose anything from the Star Trek universe to jettison into space to get rid of. Um, obviously, you can, you know, I would obviously take the mirror universe and just get rid of that. But this is Cargo Bay 101. So think about your answer. So you've just said, Paul, you've just given, thank you for this opportunity, by the way. You've just given me a whole universe, potentially, that you would put in Cargo Bay 101. Am I right in thinking that, right? Anything goes. I mean, I, it's a huge cargo bay, man. I mean, a universe is literally, it's everything. It's anything. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, and Giorgio was the genocidal one? <laughs> Sean put a whole starship in there last time, so. It's a ship. Oh man. So we've had a whole starship. We've had whole universes potentially put in there. My the item that I would like to put in it's so small, but it's something that and I think you have got the gist by now, Paul. Because it's the first time me and Paul have had a proper chat, by the way. We've spoken to each other uh, via uh, via other ways of communicate. Uh, but I'm I a very retweet, I think. Yeah, the retweet. That counts, that's communication. I'm very trivial. And I would like to remove not the real person, the actor, this a part of a character. And that part I'd like to remove uh, is a very well-known Klingon who we first saw in the episode Reunion, I think. Uh, and that is Chancellor Gowron. Not the whole of him, just those eyes. Those eyes have got to go. Those strong, powerful, be- Sean's doing the eyes now. The big poppy out eyes now. Those eyes. That's what I want to put. Is that is that too small to put in there, yeah. Chancellor Garen's eyes? Those could go right in. But, I mean, th- those are fit. But I have never disagreed more than right now. Those <laughs> eyes are amazing. And I thought you were going to say that you were going to put Alexander in there. <laughs> no, and no, no. while I wanted to tease you for putting a child out the airlock, I also would not have disagreed. So... <laughs> You know what? What are, I mean, if you think about it, there's there's reasons why this would be a good way for Chancellor Gowan to go. What a glorious way to go, having your eyes sucked out of an airlock, by the way. I just want to say, I mean, as long as they take the rest of his brain with him, it'll be a glorious way to die. It'll be nice and violent like Klingons want. If he was left blinded, then that wouldn't be nice because nobody, no Klingon wants to be kind of left like that. But yeah, I've just found, you know what? I love Robert O'Reilly. I, I really love what he does, but I've always found when he is in scenes, some people call it his piercing uh, uh, view. I feel like his eyes are jumping out of the screen and punching me in the eyes whenever he is around. I find it, I find it slightly disturbing. I find it distracting. And the thing is, Garon is a fantastic character. He is part of uh, an era of Klingon that I love. Yeah, like the 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 TNG and and um, Deep Space Nine Klingons. I I, I love. I just love that whole energy. I love. I love what they're like. I love what they're about. The Pirates of the Caribbean Klingons. Yeah, man. You know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, they they want to go out on quests and adventure and and live gloriously. It's so hard 
to focus on those while Gowron's beady eyes are popping out all over the place. And, and yeah, so, you know, yes, it's something that stands out and people do love about him, but I would like to put Chancellor Gowron's eyes in airlock 101. I mean, okay, so- I think it's going to be a no from Paul, but I'm really curious <laughs> to know how Sean feels about this. <laughs> I don't know, because you're not wrong. Like, and anytime you see a picture of him, it's like, if, I feel like if I'm not bringing glory, I'm about to die. Like, <laughs> it, even even in the, well, there's no quiet scenes really with Gowron. It's all about kind of like, oh, oh, and he has a knife. All right, of course he has a knife. Um, like, I don't know. Oh. I mean, O'Reilly himself humorously referred to it as the crazy loon eyeball thing. That's, I'm <laughs> I mean, just saying. All right, well, you're just completely wrong, but I would like to see him one-up Martok with two eye patches. So, Sean, go ahead and hit the button. Yeah, okay. You know what? Based on that entirely. Okay, so strap Gowron down to the deck of Cargo Bay 101, but keep his eyes open and ready to blow. And we're going to hit the Cargo Bay door right now. Him, you're gonna give him two eye patches, Martok. I mean, like, so on that fairly sadistic ending to the podcast, there where we've just maimed the Chancellor or of the Klingon High Council, um, I thought that's a good uh, time to start plugging some socials. Marcus, we're absolutely delighted that you joined us this week, and no hopefully, this will be the first of many. Um, checks in the mail. <laughs> that is such a lie. Anyway, but you know, yeah, give me that we're CBS money function. that we're getting over here at Trek Culture. Yeah, all right. I can neither. Cond- I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no. I'm saying I can't talk about it. <laughs> yes, give it a book answer, the David Ajala answer. That's right. Uh, Marcus, where can we find you? At Marcus Bronzy, M A R C U S B R O N Z Y, on all social medias, including TikTok now as well which I think is an amazing platform. And there are some great fans of Trek out there as well. Um, so if you're not on TikTok and you love everything Trek, that's definitely a social media you need to try. And obviously How to Kill an Hour on all social medias as well. Or you can just Google us. That's the podcast where we talk about tech things. And also we had David Ajala on the show. Uh, you know, And you can uh, find me on Twitter at Paul Sutherland. Uh, you're going to have to find something to read uh, in order to know how to spell it. And uh, you don't want to follow me on Instagram. I don't have a cat, so... <laughs> so we know what Paul wants for Christmas. Um, you can, of course, uh, you can find all of us. You can really get through to us on Trek Culture, uh, on Twitter, on YouTube, which I assume you know, because presumably you're watching this on YouTube. If you're watching this, uh, you can find me at Sean Ferrick on Twitter. And I'm on Instagram as well, but don't bother with them. That's just thirst drops. Uh, we will be back for Terra Firma part two next week. Uh, it's thank you very much from me. Thanks. No, thanks from me. Kapla! <laughs> Glory to you and your house. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 